0: Welcome to the Christian Outlook, the weekly radio program that sorts through the issues in our fast-changing world in a way that honors your Christian faith, sponsored by the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. I'm Georgine Rice. This week, the state of Maine passes abortion legislation that will allow for the taking of human life up to the point of birth.
1: One aspect of it is this thirst for unlimited abortion, which is just totally irrational.
0: The unlikely blockbuster hit of the summer, Sound of Freedom, strikes a chord in the nation.
2: There are those out there that are willing to give their careers away, their, even their very life, to stand for the truth, and we're at that door right now. Lori Smith, the
0: woman behind the key First Amendment win before the Supreme Court, speaks out.
3: It was a moment that I have waited many, many years for. It was just incredible that the court stepped in to protect not only my right, but everyone's right. And the lessons she's hoping the nation
0: will hear and heed. I know that courage begets courage. You know, I think I'm not the only one in this position. I'm Georgine Rice, and I'm glad to be with you once again. I'm coming to you from Portland and my home station of KPDQ. You can hear my own program live each weekday afternoon on 93.9 FM here in Portland and online via our website at kpdq.com and also through the TuneIn radio app. Thanks for joining us. We'll begin with an issue near and dear to my heart, the issue of life and the dignity of every innocent unborn human being, regardless of gestational age or the circumstances surrounding the pregnancy. After the release of the Dobbs decision last year, overturning Roe v. Wade, while rejoicing, we knew the fight for life was not over. But what we have seen is very revealing. Pro-abortion advocates have abandoned rhetoric of safe, legal, and rare of the Bill Clinton era, to the point of liberal states across the nation essentially arguing for abortion without limits. The most recent example, the state of Maine, where Governor Janet Mills just signed a dark piece of legislation. Don Crow turned to Frank Pavone of Priests for Life from Wava in the nation's capital.
2: Really, you're talking about one of the worst scourges of our land that you and I've talked about, the
4: continuing of the slaughter of our unborn children. I call it our nation's or any nation's greatest treasure, as a matter of fact, and we are just decimating it.
1: You know, abortion divides the American people. We all know that. And but most Americans want more restrictions on abortion, not less. Now, up until this recent action, Maine uh, allowed abortion up to 24 weeks into pregnancy. Now, most people would say, hey, you reach around six months. That's about long enough to make your choice if, in fact, you think abortion should be a choice. Um, after that, that's kind of ridiculous. You know, eighth, ninth month. Uh, most Americans would say this is crazy. The baby can can. There's a good, good, good chance of surviving outside the womb. Um, But what Maine just did, which is out of step with uh, mainstream America, was to take away all limits so that a woman, literally a healthy mother of a healthy baby in the seventh, eighth or ninth month of pregnancy, by law now in Maine, can go to an abortionist and have that baby killed. And it's a multi-day procedure. Now, some people will say, oh, oh, well, it's only done to, you know, for health reasons to save the mother's life. You know, there's complications of pregnancy. And, Don, here's something that people need to understand. If, If, in fact, a mother's life is at risk because of her pregnancy you would not do a late-term abortion. Why? Because it's a two- to three-day procedure. If you've got an emergency, you've got to act immediately, and the protocol there would be deliver the baby. But you you don't do the abortion procedure, which would involve, again, a two- to three-day process at that late stage of pregnancy.
2: Yeah, exactly. Even the governor is supporting this.
4: And uh, I I still have to believe that much of the populace up there is outraged at this. But uh, are the legislators going along with this as well?
1: Yes, there is an organized effort afoot. And you find a lot of these people in the Democrat Party who just want to tear down Western civilization. They want to tear down uh, every vestige of Christian morality, the nuclear family. Uh, respect for life they just want to tear it all down and create a new kind of society that they're in control of it's 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 a it's a it's a new form of marxism and that might sound like a radical thing but but look at what's going on but it's just it's just incomprehensible behavior uh, that these people are engaged in and one aspect of it is this thirst for unlimited abortion which is just it's just totally irrational I, you know, the reason the Marxists love abortion so much and, and, and translate that into the Democrat Party is precisely because it is so destructive of the very society that they're trying to destroy. Yep, and and, and, and the, studies, the studies are out there for anyone who wants to research it.
0: Yes, these efforts to conceal how destructive abortion is, far beyond its lethal impact on the unborn baby, is very revealing. We're witnessing the destructive devaluation of human life and healthy human culture. We can see it in a different capacity in the effort to marginalize the film Sound of Freedom now in theaters. It's a film about sex trafficking. All of us, left, right, and center, used to agree on that. Jim Caviezel, one of the lead actors in the film, was a guest of Kevin McCullough on AM570, The Mission, in New York City.
5: This is not just a movie. It's not just a story. Uh, and I don't know, to be honest, why Disney didn't go forward with it. Uh, I mean, it's been produced for a few years now, but you did find somebody that was. Look at, look at the pre- movies they're making right now. Well, that explains. They've a lot.
2: lost $900 million. Why, why would you be doing that? And yeah. now you're going to make the seven dwarves and make them transgender or whatever you're yeah, going to make? Yeah.
5: It's crazy. I, it has started another conversation about human trafficking and human slavery. And this is a very. Personal thing to me, Mister Kavizel. Uh, my listeners and viewers have, for the last ten years, uh, been working with a group called Christian Solidarity International. We have liberated human trafficked slaves in Sudan and other places, eighteen countries that we've worked in, to the tune of about forty two hundred liberations over that ten year period. So we're we're passionate about this here. But why do you think it started a national conversation the way it has?
2: Um, it's 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 a boiling point you clearly see what is going to happen to our children in the future. Forget about the future right now, what's happening. They're making laws that are hurting our kids. They're forcing us, uh, the critical race theory. I mean, in California right now, you're going to see a bill that's going to go through and eventually be a law. I have no doubt. And essentially, let's say your child is... um, drawing rainbows in kindergarten because children often do. And then you have your critical race theory teacher who goes over and says, oh, you're one of us. One of what? Transgender. So the kid comes home and he tells his parents and they say, no, we're Christian. We don't do that. Well, they're going to send the uh, child protective services in and take your kid. And so that there's one. Um, You, the grooming that's going on in cities right now. And then you're taking Jesus at a Dodgers game, a, 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 a Lord uh, crucified on a cross and using it as a stripping pole. Okay, would you do that with a a Jewish rabbi over a menorah? And so and this is referencing the children, what do they call the sisters of perpetual indulgence, perpetual right. indulgence, meaning grace, what kind of grace are they showing Christians? We're mocked all the time. I mean, there's millions of Christians here in the United States, and you see church leaders not saying a word. And so it frightens you to understand that not only are losing our, our republic, understand a republic is not a democracy. Yeah. You know, you can, in a democracy, right, you can say, you know, all Down syndrome children must die, and you can vote on it like they did in Germany, and, and they all die. They can take away your rights, but you can't do that in an inalienable right system under republic because you have the right to your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And there is a reason why your life comes first because without your life, you don't have liberty. And without your life, you don't have happiness. Mm. I fault the tip of the spear of the churches where all these bishops, pastors have sat on their hands and have called the prosperity gospel. I mean, I'm not saying you can't be successful, but if God calls you at some point, are you willing to give it up? I mean, it can be said that, you know, some Christians died martyred. I think John lost, the Baptist lost his head, right?
5: Yes. Was he bad? Most of the disciples were crucified, actually. uh,
2: Absolutely. The modern-day Christians are called to the time of plenty, you know? Yeah. Uh, And and that was back in the old days, you know, See, they did that. No, no, no. It's here. It's it's at our doorstep right now. Actually, it's in our homes.
5: One of the things that I've just been speaking with some um, Christian leaders that are concerned about some of these same things that uh, you just have mentioned, is that one of the things that needs to happen is that the church needs to become far more bold. And when the attacks come you need to be bolder not not more silent and th- we've yeah. kind of got it backwards everybody thinks oh i shouldn't uh, th- they'll make uh, excuses well for the sake of my ministry i shouldn't be too controversial <laughs> no it's kind of the opposite and yeah they they might they might hang you at the stake but you know they did worse to uh, jesus himself um tim's character the one you portray in the film uh, what did you re- how did how did you prepare for that part what resonated about this part for you
2: well let's go to this sc- the movie, um, those who've seen it, and those that need to see it, you know, the media is not going to point out that this, th- they would say to you, like, why are you going to go see this? You want to, they don't want you to see this, right. actually. Um, and I encourage you to see it because it hits every human, not just Christians, at their core. Would you defend your children? Would you give your life for them? Your seems like you won't do it for your republic, but would you do it for your children? And And that's the line that God's children are not for sale. And then a book ends where you have this essentially what you and I would deem a reject, a man that was involved with the cartel. And he's basically telling Tim, you know, put up or shut up if you really believe in your God and your belief. When God tells you to do something, you don't hesitate. See, and this is the reality of what Christians, the, the, all Christians, the authentic ones, this is what they believe that they know that it might come down to that. And there are those out there that are willing to give their careers away, their even their very life, to stand for the truth. And we're at that door right now.
5: Jim Caviezel, thank you for shining a bright light on this. We are very, very grateful.
2: Can I say one last thing? Please do. As Reagan said, that you and I have a rendezvous of destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We're at war now with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said, if we lose this war and in so doing lose this great way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those of us that had the most to lose did the least to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that were intended for us by our founding fathers. My brothers and sisters, if we don't stand up for our children, can we not love God's children more than we fear evil? But I always go back to what Reagan said, that evil is powerless if the good are unafraid.
0: Coming up. It
3: was just incredible that the court stepped in to protect not only my right, but everyone's right.
0: Lori Smith the creative behind the recent First Amendment victory at the Supreme Court. When the Christian Outlook returns, in a moment.
4: As the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy celebrates our 25th anniversary year, please watch our new promotional video based on Ronald Reagan's 1976 radio address, Shaping the World for 100 Years to Come, on our Pepperdine SPP YouTube channel. And if you know someone who's thinking about graduate school this fall, we welcome applications at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. That's publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.
0: Welcome back to The Christian Outlook. I'm Georgine Rice. 303 Creative versus Elenis. That's the Supreme Court case I hope you're familiar with. It is, simply put, the biggest win for the First Amendment in decades. And the First Amendment matters immensely with this type of radio program for creative professionals across the country and for Christians, whatever your walk of life, particularly as we become a minority voice in the country at large. In this case, the court held, and I quote, the First Amendment's protections belong to all, not just to speakers whose motives the government finds worthy. Lori Smith is the website designer who had the courage to push back against the state of Colorado. She was joined by Kelly Federick, an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, who argued the case for a conversation with Deborah Flora on AM710 KNUS in Denver.
6: Kelly, uh, as well as you, Lori, how did you both feel when you read the ruling after seven years of fighting this on Friday, June thirtieth?
3: Well, I'll speak to that first. Uh, it was a moment that I have waited many, many years for, through the hills and valleys. It, I, I'm still at a sort of at a loss, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, just incredible that the court stepped in to protect not only my right but everyone's right. And. I've waited many wedding seasons watching them come and go and not being able to create and design in a way that I've dreamed of doing for many years. So it was certainly something I've been hoping and praying for and celebrating with many about.
6: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Kelly, tell me your thoughts, because, uh, you know, obviously you got to see it all you know, up close and firsthand. And we heard a little bit about some of the arguments that were being discussed during the case on December 5th. What was your reaction when you saw the ruling that was? I believe, the only right ruling that it could have come out on June 30th.
7: Well, we were elated. It certainly was something we'd worked for for a long time in in Lori's case. But the fact that the court really reaffirmed a time-honored principle that the government can't force anyone Mm -hmm. to say something that they don't believe. And what's interesting, Deborah, I think in this moment is that This is really something, as you and Lori have been talking about, that all Americans should be celebrating regardless of whether they agree with Lori or not. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of backlash Mm -hmm. um, on Lori and the decision, which is unfortunate because really what the Supreme Court said is, is nothing new. They're applying the First Amendment the way they always have. It's just because we're in this cultural moment where many people don't agree with Lori's beliefs about marriage that suddenly there's been. Sort of this, this misinformation campaign about yes. the case, which is really troubling because regardless of whether you agree with Lori or whether you're an LGBT graphic designer, all of us should be celebrating the fact that we live in a country that we can speak and Mm -hmm. create consistent with the very core of who we are.
6: That's exactly what I wanted to get to, because I wanted to share that moment of elation. I mean, I I can only imagine what you all were doing, but every Thursday, it seems like for the past several weeks, (laughs) I would look to see if the case had been ruled upon. And when it was, there was this sense of, thank goodness, this is actually saving our republic and our constitutional freedoms. But I have to say, and I am not, you know, I'm detached from this a couple of stages, but I wrote right away about it. And the level of vitriol, I mean, I've been attacked for a lot of things. You are when you speak out for truth, but I have never seen anything like that. Let's talk about this. Why do you both, because we're going to debunk some of the things that have been said. I want to take time to go through that. But why do you all think that there has suddenly been this much vitriol? Partly, by the way, I think it's because this case was so incredibly important in a time in our culture where... You know, those who want to feel that like they can just cancel someone, shut them up, that somehow disagreement is hate speech, which it isn't. Um, and by the way, I love what Neil Gorsuch said in the majority when uh, that justice wrote. The majority said tolerance, not coercion, is our nation's answer. United States as a rich and complex place where all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as a government demands. That's what this case was about for everyone. Why do you both think there was such vitriol immediately afterwards?
3: I can speak from my perspective, and then Kelly can weigh in. You're absolutely right, Deborah. Disagreement is not discrimination. And shortly after receiving the decision, we were met with an incredible wave of just hatred and backlash. And I hate to say that that has continued. We're everything from continued death threats, threats against my family, I've had items mailed to my home. I'm currently not allowing my child to play out in the front yard. And it really is awful to stand and speak for truth only to receive such backlash. And, and I do believe a lot of that comes from the number of falsehoods being perpetrated yes. in some of the media, the, the headlines that just are not accurate. And I think if people were to actually
6: read the opinion – it would help clarify a lot of the misunderstandings that are out there right now. Um, Let's talk about some of the misinformation. We already talked about one, Laura, you serve everybody. This is not about the person you serve people from the LGBTQ community. It's the message of the piece just like jack so we know that is absolutely misinformation Um, some people started a first narrative that this was a false case without standing that there was somebody named stewart and now they are not really an lgbtq person asking to make a website first of all this is a pre-enforcement case, which means you did it in advance with absolutely the right understanding that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission would have been punitive and targeted you. But let's take these one at a time and absolutely debunk them.
7: Yeah, certainly. I can, I can certainly speak to that. I mean, the fact that there's the accusation that was a, a, a fake case, nothing could be further from the truth. Lori has had requests. We in no way ever fabricated any requests as was, has been suggested. And honestly, Deborah, it's a laughable accusation that someone would even say that because there would have been no reason for us at ADF to do so as it was a pre-enforcement challenge.
2: Mm-hmm. As you
7: mentioned, mm-hmm. no request is needed. There was a threat from Colorado of enforcement against Lori to violate her free speech. Colorado agreed that that was the case. Even the Tenth Circuit, who ultimately ruled against Lori on the merits, the Tenth Circuit was very clear that Lori was experiencing harm and could expect to be punished by Colorado if she designed for wedding consistent with her faith. I mean, it's a, it's, every part of the record of the case shows that there's absolutely harm, mm-hmm. and imminent harm, every right to be afraid, which prompted her to take advantage of what is a time-honored tradition where many people— on all different issues, have filed pre-enforcement challenges. It's a hallmark of civil rights litigation that when an unjust law is threatening to punish you, you have the right to go to court to defend yourself and others before before being punished. Yeah, It's, it's a very useful and, and well-used to protect our fundamental civil rights.
6: Um, Lori, I want to get back to you on this and just say, you know, first of all, I just want you to express to people, because you've got one of the kindest spirits of anyone I've ever met. What would you want to say to people who are listening and also about what courage it's taken to take this stand? Well, first of all,
3: thank you. I appreciate that.
6: When you hear a lot of the
3: backlash and which is very loud and prominent, it's also very encouraging for me to get emails that are supportive. So mm-hmm. um, I appreciate that from your listeners. But I know that courage begets courage. You know, I think I'm not the only one in this position. There are hundreds of thousands of other creatives out there who just want to create consistent with their beliefs. And I want that for everyone. We can completely disagree on the topic of marriage, but nobody should be forced to communicate a message that goes against what they believe. Mm -hmm. And so when I took a look at my options seven years ago, I didn't think just about myself. I had to think about those who would also be in a similar predicament. But more importantly, I had to think about my child. And where will this country be as we look forward when she grows up? But if she doesn't have the right to speak freely, then I haven't done my
0: job. So remaining silent was not an option. Coming up,
8: God wants all of his creation to come to himself.
0: Responding to the voice of God when the Christian Outlook returns in a moment.
4: Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. In just 10 minutes, I can zip through 10 stories that help me start my day and help shape where I go with the Mike Gallagher Show. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily, and it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com.
3: When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company like super woke when i grow up when i grow up i want to be hired based on what i look like rather than my skills
7: i want to be judged by my political beliefs i want to get promoted based on my chromosomes when i grow up i want to be offended by my co-workers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by hr words like grandfather peanut gallery Sherwin-Williams during the Shades of Summer sale July 28th through August 7th and get 35% off paints and stains with prices starting at $28.92. That means 35% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 35% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details.
0: Welcome back to the Christian Outlook, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. I'm Georgine Rice. As we look at the challenges facing our nation, both domestically and internationally, it would be easy for us to lose heart or to grow faint hearted. But I'm convinced that God is still at work. As for our part, we need to be responsive. Wendell Robinson is a pastor here in Portland, Oregon. He points to a motorcycle accident as a key piece of his own kingdom story. Pastor Robinson, author of Kingdom Moments, hearing and responding to the voice of God, was a guest on my program. We are in such a desperate season, I think, in the body of Christ and in the culture in general, that we would hear and respond to the voice of God. You described uh, your first kingdom moment, and this predated your uh, profession of faith that 's correct, but you recognized that God was preserving your life. you had purpose, God absolutely. had places for you to go absolutely um, you were unaware of it at the time, and I would imagine for listeners to this program who are not followers of Jesus yet. This may be a surprising thing, or it may confirm an uh, an experience they have had. Absolutely. Why do you think God spoke to you to preserve your life before you had even come to acknowledge Him or to know Him or to recognize His voice?
8: Yeah. Well, in a nutshell, uh, God wants all of His creation to come to Himself, and what I found is that He goes uh, to great lengths to reach us. Yes. Um, And I always tell people that we haven't beat God anywhere. He is everywhere, and He's working in people's hearts even before they know it. I call it persuasive grace. It's the romancing of our hearts, and and so if we if we really stop and examine our life, I think many people, particularly those who don't know Christ, would see signs of God calling them to Himself. They just might uh, mistake it as something else, uh, but for me, it was it was pretty clear, and for for everyone, it may not be as profound. But nevertheless, he is uh, actively pursuing his creation, humanity, uh, that they might come into a saving relationship with Jesus.
0: We've been uh, talking about or at least referencing your book, Kingdom Moments, hearing and responding to the voice of God. I think the challenge of hearing God's voice and being able to distinguish his voice from our own or voices that might be misleading or Uh, might mimic his, but isn't entirely clear. How do we hear the voice of God? Where do we begin? And I know your devotional kind of walks us through that process so that we become practiced at recognizing the shepherd's voice. How do we begin in that process?
8: Well, I think it's important first to uh, demystify or Mm. um, another way of saying it is de-spookify it. (laughs) But we don't want the conversation about the voice of God to be uh, mystical or spooky. It's very normal. It's it's a part of the everyday, normal Christian life, for if you're a son or a daughter. And you can actually substitute voice of God for the way in which he communicates. He wants to communicate to us. The, the scripture says that his sheep know his voice. And that's the Greek word phone, which is the English word phonetic. In other words, he tailors his voice in a way in which we will understand because he doesn't want what he has to say to us to be a mystery. He's not trying to play hide Mm -hmm. and seek with us. He truly wants us to know. And so uh, there are the familiar ways that he speaks. We say through his word, as we're reading his word, Um, he speaks through people Uh, every day. uh, Many believers go to to churches or they watch churches or or, uh, sermons online and he uses people to speak. He, He speaks to us through prayer. Uh, He also speaks to us in our dreams and in visions. And, and, you know, that requires some explanation, but it is definitely biblical. He speaks to us, uh, like Elisha, with that steel, small voice. I call it Holy Spirit nudges. That's that internal movement, uh, sometimes visceral, that lets us know, hey, I need to talk to you. Uh, How do we discern? Because everybody has that question. How do we know it's not just me? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I say, you know, when he speaks to us, he speaks to us in our own voice. When, when I hear him, I'm not hearing a female voice. You don't hear hear James Earl Jones. No, absolutely. Low, it's not that low, deep, <laughs> yeah. low. No, it, it's, it's my own voice. Uh, how do we know? Well, one, uh, we have the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. He's going to give us the ability to discern what is God speaking to us and what might just be our own thoughts. And a lot of it really comes down to relationship. It, it says he will know us and we will know him. It's it's a relationship. Uh, we can't put our, our faith on autopilot. You know, our faith is, is not meant to be uh, a routine. It's a relationship whereby we hang out with the Lord, whatever that looks like for you. But we spend time just like we would spend time with someone we care about. Mm-hmm there's a familiarity that, that occurs where we hear, we understand that it's him speaking. And then uh, as we grow, we, we try, we put into practice that which we've heard. And you'll know that he speaks because it'll bear fruit. Coming up. He calls us to obedience. He thanks us for our sacrifices, but the scripture is clear. He prefers obedience above sacrifice
0: more with Pastor Wendell Robinson when the Christian Outlook returns in a moment. Stay with us.
4: As the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy celebrates our 25th anniversary year, please watch our new promotional video based on Ronald Reagan's 1976 radio address, Shaping the World for 100 Years to Come, on our Pepperdine SPP YouTube channel. And if you know someone who's thinking about graduate school this fall, we welcome applications at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. That's publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. We believe in God the
8: Father. We believe in Jesus Christ.
4: Welcome
0: back to The Christian Outlook. I'm Georgine Rice. So many of us live life at such a frantic pace that it's hard to hear the still, small voice of the Lord. Wendell Robinson is trying to help. He's encouraging us to learn from Jesus, live for Jesus, and love through Jesus. Let's pick up on more of my conversation with Pastor Wendell Robinson. A guest on my program here on KPDQ. In the book, Kingdom Moments, Hearing and Responding to the Voice of God, the other half of that equation is responding. It's one thing to hear the voice of God and just, oh, that's interesting. I appreciate, you know, I appreciate the voice, but responding. We're talking about obedience and being prepared to respond. How do we um, how do we prepare to walk in obedience and to respond when God speaks to us through his word, through that voice uh, that the Holy Spirit clarifies is the voice of God guiding us in it one direction or another?
8: Yeah. And that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. Uh, once you sit down with a, a Jesus follower uh, and talk through the nuances of hearing God's voice, hearing his communication, many will say, yes, okay, yes, I do hear. Uh, they'll start recalling situations. Mm-hmm. But where the rubber meets the road is once we determine that he has spoken, are we willing to do what he says? And that's where it gets tricky. It gets tricky because we have our way of you know, living our life. And we have our thoughts about what we want to do. We have our dreams. We have our hopes. We have our uh, desires. But they may not be in line, in alignment with what he wants for us. And so often we are unwilling or afraid to respond because we'd rather just do what we want to do. And that's the tricky part. Uh, I know when he called us to leave everything that meant anything to us, in Portland to go to a land I will show you, which was Puerto Rico. <laughs> that was hard. Mm-hmm. That was hard. It wasn't what we had planned. It wasn't. It wasn't what the pastor who I was serving had planned for my life. But when he looked in my eyes, he realized it was a Jesus calling. And um, but it did require us to move our agenda to the side. I remember for the first year, my wife cried. Hmm. for the whole year because it was that difficult um and, and you know but the thing is he 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 calls us to obedience he thanks us for our sacrifices but the scripture is clear he prefers obedience above sacrifice uh and and, and so obedience is his clarion call to to the beloved and it's hard it's scary um, it's uncertain. But you can trust him. That's right. You can absolutely trust him. And sometimes we don't see that until uh, we look back in the rearview mirror of our lives. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, 20 um, But history shows if we look back his faithfulness and if he's done it once, he'll do it again.
0: He is faithful. I want to talk a little bit about the structure of the book. Yeah. I mentioned it's a devotional. It's intended to be a study from one week after another. That's correct. Um, and you design it in such a way that um, we're not just reading, but you have lessons and things we can write in to help reinforce the message that mm-hmm. um, that the word and, and God is, is teaching us. Can you kind of describe how it's laid out?
8: Yeah, and this is really important. Uh, in, in all of my teaching, there's three basic principles that we try to live by personally and as a church. Um, that is revelation, demonstration, and activation. Revelation being what, what did Jesus say? Demonstration, what does it look like? And then activation, what are you going to do about it? It's the idea of um, pairing hearing and doing. Mm-hmm. If, you, if we separate hearing and doing, then uh, let's just say we, we err on the side of hearing then we become professional hearers and that immediately will put you in the lane uh, that the Pharisees were in Uh, ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. He says that we should not just be hearers of the word, but we should be doers. And so I wanted to write it in such a way that uh, gave beautiful revelation. um, Also that demonstrated or showed what that looked like through the word and through personal testimony but then also challenge the believer to kind of dig in for themselves mm-hmm. into the word, and then ask the question, "What are you going to do about it?" And I specifically took that idea of revelation, demonstration, and activation, and I um, I put three components in the book that says, "Learn from Jesus, live for Jesus, and love through Jesus." Go and do. And so you'll see that consistently all the way through the book. Learn from Jesus. What is he saying? Live from Jesus. What What are you What is He doing? Um, and then, love for Jesus. What What are we going to do about it? Uh, that's the 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 basic structure that hopefully moves us just uh, from hearing into the arena of actually doing um, what the Lord has said. And the Holy Spirit is a part of that whole process.
0: Absolutely, I so appreciate that emphasis. Uh, You describe yourself as a revivalist. Can you explain what you mean by that and the hope that's attached to being someone who sees revival in our future?
8: Yeah, I I hope every believer would uh, look at themselves as a personal revivalist. I I believe there's still another great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we can expect. Mm. Um, As in days of old, uh, in the Old Testament, when when things weren't right, um, God's judgment was swift and it was harsh and he would wipe out whole civilizations. He doesn't do that anymore. He, he, he gave us the rainbow as the Noahic covenant, the saying, hey, I won't do that again. I won't flood the earth. Uh, instead, I'll pour out my spirit, as Joel reminds us, upon all flesh. And so we don't have to despair that things are falling apart or God's uh, losing his grip on humanity. That is not the case. Uh, he is loving, he's patient, he's working in people's hearts, but there will be outpourings of his spirit. And I believe uh, that it'll be in the hearts of many where we uh, embrace what God is doing and we simply respond in faith obedience right where we are in our marriages, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our churches, everywhere. You, you, there are so many opportunities to respond to God uh, outside of the four walls of the church. I do it all the time. Sometimes I'll hang out in my front yard tilling up the same weed until a neighbor comes out just for an opportunity <laughs> yeah. to say hello instead of just driving into the garage and letting it you know, close behind me and go into my house. Coming up, we're ordinary people, as I say, that God wants to do extraordinary things with. A few more
0: minutes with Pastor Wendell Robinson. Stay with us.
7: My life flows on in endless song.
6: For more than a century, AM radio has evolved to meet the needs of our community. In their car, at home, or on the job, more than 80 million listeners depend on AM radio each month. AM radio is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, which keeps us safe in dangerous times. It's reliable, free, and public safety depends on it. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters.
0: Welcome back to The Christian Outlook. I'm Georgine Rice. No matter where you are in your relationship with Christ, I hope this conversation is a catalyst to go deeper, to trust Him more, to pursue Him more diligently, and to yield to Him as He reveals Himself to you. Christ is, I can attest, an ever-present and faithful friend. Let's catch a few more minutes of my conversation with Wendell Robinson, author of Kingdom Moments. I think, as church going believers, we oftentimes become spectators and we might hear a good word. Oh, yeah. You know, it penetrates our heart. We're moved, but that's where it ends. But God is calling us, you know, the, the church equips the saints to do the work of the ministry. Absolutely. God is calling us to respond in practical ways to see our neighbors as those who um, may not have access or may not know uh, the God who loves them and pursued them and has extended his grace to them. Absolutely. To respond in such a way that's practical. And what you do in the book is give us kind of the, the toolkit to, to walk through not just hearing, but responding in a way that's honoring to him and will minister to others as well. And that there's something so satisfying about mm. the adventure of following Jesus Absolutely. in these practical and tangible ways.
8: Absolutely. And th- this is the beauty of it. it, it it's uh, it's for every single ordinary believer, me included, you included. We're, we're regular folks. Yep, We're ordinary people, as I say, that God wants to do extraordinary things with by way of the Holy Spirit. My wife and I were just eating um, at Sherry's for breakfast, one of our favorite little spots. And um, we had a wonderful breakfast. Um, And as we were finishing up, the the lady who was waiting on us came to give me the check. And I felt that nudging. Uh, And as you spend time in the word and and with the Lord, you you get to know Mm -hmm. what he's saying. And the the impression was simply she needs to know that I see her. That's what I heard. And she needs uh, you to pray for her. And I'll admit, I don't go into this with great boldness. It's like, oh, gosh, not again, Lord. <laughs> um, I said, ma'am, um, we're Jesus followers. Uh, would you mind if we pray for you? And immediately she starts bawling. <gasps> and she begins to talk about her son and his wife and their grandkids. Um, and, and and so we just simply, I said, can, can we do it like right now? And she said, yes. You know, there's people around. And so we prayed for her as she's weeping and she just thanked us. That was it. He didn't ask me to witness. He didn't ask me anything more but to pray for her because perhaps in her time alone, she's wondering if God even hears. And that's that's what hearing and responding to the voice is all about. And that's what Kingdom Moments helps facilitate. Mm-hmm. My prayer is that um, it, it'll be kind of a jumpstart. And people I've heard faith. people say things who have pre- did a pre-read. Uh, I feel like I'm born again, again. Uh, this uh, refreshing, this renewal, this personal revival, that's really uh, at the heart of, of Kingdom Moments.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Christian Outlook. If you enjoyed the program, take a moment to sign up for our podcast at ChristianOutlook.com. Our program has been brought to you in part through our partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. For executive producer Russell Shubin and producers David Pouchon, Mike Cook, and James Blend, I'm Georgine Rice. Join us again next time for The Christian Outlook.